Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. What month is it? Oh, it's Pride um, Month. What month is it? Um, it's Pride Month. <laughs> Um, it's Pride um, Month! Oh, yay! Happy Pride! Yeah. Woo! Alright! Yeah. Welcome to Pride at Bitches on Comics Pride! Woo! Welcome! We talk to people. We talk to people here. Woo! Woo! We crushes a beer can. <laughs> High fives, bald eagle! gets drunk because you're drinking vodka out of a water bottle <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning and it's flavored vodka which is always real dicey you're just drinking like watermelon vodka or something oh, it's nine rough. o'clock in the morning so hot hottest day of the year ridiculously hot everybody is wearing no clothes but for some reason you're wearing too much clothes <laughs> And guess what? By the time 11 o'clock comes around, you're done. Happy Pride. That might not be everybody's experience, but it's going to be mine. (laughs) It's how I celebrate. Respect how I celebrate. (laughs) Hey, lovely bitches. It's me, your lovely bitch host, Sarah Century. Lovely bitch host. Lovely I'm your host. other lovely bitch host, Essie Fleetmore. It's one word now, lovely bitch host. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go get my lungs replaced. That made me laugh really hard. Well, I am so, so excited to be here today, of course, with the lovely Sarah. But also, we have a very special guest. Today, we are joined by Elliot Lawrence. Elliot Lawrence is the creator, one of the head writers, and general mycelial network behind Motherland Fort Salem, one of our favorite TV shows that is out on Freeform right now. Welcome to the podcast, Elliot. We're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I mean... Wow. Just to get to talk to someone who created like one of my favorite recent TV shows. I'm like grinning ear to ear. I'm like, I am too. We have so much to talk about. I'm like, we got to get into gay witches. We got to get oh. into the critique of the military. So we'll we'll see what we can get to today. We know you have a limited time, but, uh, you know, Sarah and I are both just so pumped that you could make time for us. So thank you. And thank you to all the wonderful people behind the scenes. Philip, Irina, you have made it so easy to get this lined up. So. Okay, I'm going to start with a real general one, which is like one of the things that Motherland does that I think is one of my favorite ways science fiction and fantasy can handle queerness is that we both have 
explicit queerness, right? Rael, Scylla, like they are queer as the day is long. And we also have a lot of coding. And so we have this coded way that the witches are all queer, right? They're outside of the norm. They have some kind of scary countercultural way of being. And I'm curious for you, when you decided to layer those things in this story, why was that? And what do you think is so important about being able to have both together? For me, it's all about growing up queer in a little Southern town where I felt like a disempowered outsider, but kind of like, as you grow up, you learn that you need everything you learn during those terrible times and that they can actually, your history can be a source of power. So it was coming from that spirit for sure. And I agree with you. I think it's an essentially queer show, even if some of the content isn't overtly queer, you know, on the surface, there's such a queerness in this kind of subculture that was allowed to kind of flourish in this alternate America. Now, did I totally get away from your question? I apologize. No, not at all. No, I think you're right in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, good. What else can I tell you? I think that there's something very interesting about specifically choosing the witch trials, because I think the way that we view that now is that it was a pretty specifically anti-woman thing. So I just think it's very interesting as a kickoff point to be like, okay, this is what happens instead, right? Here's our different world. But you could have chosen pretty much any time during history. So why was the subversion of that specifically so important? It felt like a really rich target to sort of blow up a time when women Mm. were punished for being women and to kind of use that moment as a nodal point to kind of give birth to a whole new future that kind of, I don't know, kind of butted off from the tree of our history. It Mm -hmm. felt like there was enough richness in twisting that moment. One of the Salem witches actually was a witch. She cut a deal with the proto-military sort of that stance and that active sort of claiming of your own history felt felt like enough, felt like the point. Yeah. And to the point that now there's always cultural references to witch hunts that really don't have that much to do with witch hunts, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I think that there's something very interesting about that and the time period specifically. So do you think that that was something that spoke to you as well whenever you were making this concept? Absolutely. You know, coming out of this sort of female dystopia what was birthed this, this kind of problematic but utopic uh, kind of vision of female power. I think that's that was the birth of the series. And that was like when I knew I had something on the page that was kind of looking back at me from the page. It felt alive mm. and it felt like, I don't know, this was a rich what if that could keep on giving like this sort of font, if you will. I love that. Earlier this month, we talked to Nadia Shames about her very cool graphic novel called Squire. And there's some parallels between Squire and Motherland. And I don't know if I have the question right, so I'm going to just say some words and we'll see if it comes together. So something that Nadia was doing in Squire, you know, she she talks a lot about how that is an anti-war war narrative. And I'm a big believer in like my favorite war narratives or anti-war narratives are ones that actually show us the underbelly. But what I think Nadia talked about and that I see in Motherland and that I think can be almost a uh, 
a Trojan horse is that there is a summer camp feel. You know, you have a lot in common, you're bonding, you're doing the same things, you're encountering hardships, all things that, you know, a ropes course is also doing, right? Different context, certainly. But for her, she was saying, you know, that's an important part of critiquing this narrative is showing why it's seductive, showing why militarism focuses on youth so much. And so I've always taken Motherland in that same heart, where to me, Motherland Fort Salem is about critiquing, you know, the matriarchy, where sometimes I think we all say like, hey, the patriarchy is the problem, but a matriarchy would rule. And it's like, would it? Would Would it it, though? Would it though? So I'm curious for you. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the the militarism and the matriarchy and the problems and and why that was so important for you to really, you know, lay bare in, in this series. I just felt like it was an opportunity to talk about stuff with a certain remove that would allow some some fun, I guess. I mean, mm. to me, first of all, I'm going to buy that graphic novel today. That sounds incredible. Mm, so good. Part of that Trojan horse in Motherland is this idea that they're American heroes and, and that they're defending our nation. And there's that sort of kind of rah, rah, rah camaraderie that is also part of the critique. I believe it was episode four in season two when we had that crazy military commercial. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, propaganda. Propaganda. Starship troopers alert. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah, I love the notion of the Trojan horse and slipping a lot of subversive ideas in. You know, there's some sly little ones that don't get discussed too much, you know. For example, the notion among high Atlantic society that a child is the product of many different men's sperm, not just one, and kind of partable paternity and and striking at the heart of fatherhood in a really interesting way that's provocative. There's a lot of there's a lot of little bits and pieces in this Trojan horse that we're talking about. And kind of the idea of flipping the script a little bit, because when you're looking at something like the witch trials, that's something where that had public support, right? Right. So the idea of groupthink versus militarism, I think that there's a lot there with just kind of even the premise of the show. Yeah, I think there's even a complication uh, within that military glamour that we portray sometimes. And, and that with that awe that these soldiers hold in the American imagination, there's a, a certain kind of fear and disgust and revulsion as well. And how those two things feel kind of overlapping each other is super interesting to me. I'm always interested in the laugh cry or the, you know, scary touching or the sexy disturbing or the, the things that don't aren't supposed to go together, how they feel together. Oh, the the sexy, disturbing, all of that. I feel like everything <laughs> you just described is so the mycelium, too. And it is. I, I love that it feels like more people are really uh, connecting with the metaphor of, of you know, mycelium and, and mushrooms. And uh, I got to say, y'all are the, the ones who've done it the best on screen that I've seen. And it is so enrapturing because it's such a rich metaphor. So I want to know, like, what do mushrooms mean to you? How did you connect with mycelium? Tell me everything. Well, I mean, I love that you're calling it out because if there is a goddess of the show she is the goddess she is an mm-hmm. ancient sentience and it's all a documentary by the way like you know scientists are figuring out that mushrooms can talk to each other with a language of you know they can identify 50 words but that's only mm. the ones they can identify like who knows if we're the most advanced creature so it comes from that fascination and you know to me it, it she was a, the the mycelium was a good overlap for the sort of mother goddess because you know when you the more you learn about um the mycelium you realize it's sort of part of the connective tissue of all plants and all life and you know 
I just, I couldn't, I could not play with that. So it's, it's certainly weird. And I think it's also part of what I love about the show, which is that it's kind of on the knife blade between fantasy and sci-fi. You know what I mean? There, there mm-hmm. are aspects of it that feel like witchhood that we've seen with pagan holidays. But then if you think about it, the magic or the work as we call it is, is kind of scientific. It's about frequencies of sound and, and that kind of thing. What is pretty darn exciting about season three, and this is kind of one of the few things I can talk about, is, is the fact that we're going to get really from the opening uh, episode, from the first frames of the first episode, we're going to get deeper and deeper into the notion of what is a witch. You know, we know they have these vocal things and we know that it's passed down maternal lines, but it's going to be quite a journey. We're going to go into prehistory and figure out how witches were central to human development and and even language acquisition and and some deep shit. I can't wait. It's just so exciting. I I mean, getting to see that season three premiere before we talked today was just really <gasps> special. So I'm I'm really I'm vibrating and I'm like, okay, I gotta figure out how to <laughs> how ask these questions. Oh when I got so that good. back from our post house, I was like, Are we the Mandalorian now? What happened? <laughs> because this is like that dawn breaking. Oh my goodness. I was I was so moved. I'm glad you guys liked it too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was it was like a very epic moment, right? It was like, oh, you think you know witches? A hundred and thirty-five thousand years ago. Oh yeah. I was like, what? Oh my god! Yes, amazing. Yeah, I love that that sci-fi fantasy quality. That's hard to do, and hopefully we do it well. But that's a fun little combo platter, kind of like the laugh cry. Yeah, I really love when people push the push sci-fi and fantasy against each other, you know, because mm-hmm. I think so often it's portrayed as being like counter to one another, right? Like one's the mind, yeah. one's the heart or some, I don't know, silly decision they can't that I don't think makes sense. Yes, and right. my favorite works always have some of both, you yeah. know? Like I think of Charlie Jane Anders' All the Burdens in the Sky. That novel is like everything to me and it is absolutely about like a scientist who's trying to save the planet and a witch who's trying to save the planet, but they see different ways of doing it and it's just so much Fun. That's my second recommendation from this. I appreciate <laughs> that. I've got the squire written down. Yes, all the birds in the sky must read. Uh, you know, and I think that that is a good segue to my question, which I'm like, you know, this is just one I think we all need to think about is like, why are witches so gay, right? Like, we've got Willow and Tara from Buffy. We've got <laughs> Ambrose and Prudence from Chilling Adventures, Sarah and Emily from A Discovery of Witches, and, you know, Legacies, Charmed, it goes on. And then we've got Rael and Scylla. And they're so iconic, but they're also in this great body of witchdom. So like, I read an interview with queer you once. Witchdom. You talked about, yes, you talked about how to you witches always were queer. And so now I want to know, like, how does that all come together? And, and, you know, maybe we should talk about, I mean, in general, but also in season three, how do we see all those pieces come together? Well, I guess in general, it's, it's why are witches queer? It's, it's about a kind of power system outside the normal one or or whatever normal means, you know, that's Mm. such a loaded word, but it's outside of of the dominant one and how you can find great power in that. And the journey to that can be long for some and short for others, but um, I don't know, it's a good journey. And I think that's the queer spirit of motherland ultimately is that you can find power in your, your otherness. But in terms of season three, I mean, gosh, our, our, our people are fugitives. They're running from a lot of people who want to kill them and harm them and make a show of catching them. 
Uh, we're going to get to spend some time in this session, which is pretty great. We've heard about the session. Mm. We knew that Grail grew up on the session on some rented land, but we're going to get to meet a lot of the people who run the session. And uh, I don't know. It's such a great season. It's a season that kind of came together in our production design and our costumes and our sound design in such a spectacular way. It's our it's our prettiest one and our and our our kind of most extra season. So it's a little poignant, but I just can't wait for you guys to see it. <laughs> I was curious because I read this piece of trivia. I had never heard this before. Maybe you've talked about it in the past. I'm not sure. But I heard that this started as a book series first and that you have yeah. a bunch of books of content. <laughs> kind of. I do. I mean, it. you know, not fully fleshed out books, but sure. I, I this was about 10 years ago. And I think I had, you know, my eyes were bigger than my writer's stomach. And I was like, I can do this. I've never mm-hmm. written a short story, but this idea is so good. It'll pull me through. And it <laughs> almost happened, but I wasn't, I wasn't the prose writer that I am. You know, I, I, I'm, an okay, I'm an okay screenwriter, but prose was a new thing to me, but I did have the ambition to break it out. And I did plan about four or five books. And some of that stuff I ended up pulling up for season three to kind of wrap up the season. And I was worried that that would feel kind of, you know, ungainly in some way, but it actually galvanized the season in a beautiful way and kind of lit everything on fire where it was already smoldering. And so it worked out, but yeah, I've tried this in other forms and I want to do so again. I, I, it was interesting you guys brought up Squire. I'm pretty obsessed with doing this as a graphic novel. I was, I was going to yeah. say that that is what you got to do. And listen, you need help. Sarah and I are here. We love okay. to adapt it careful to a comic. You oh, I'm might, not being careful. Be, I would love be to. so sick of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love to be sick of you. <laughs> I would love it, and I I would love to do some sort of you know flashbacks into early American uh, witch history that ah. would be super fun to explain. Like um, last year, we had this thing where we were defending the bonfire from these sort of spectral oh, dead souls. That. There's a very very cool story that that's all based on. That would be such a cool standalone graphic novel. So prepare to be contacted by me because I have no idea how to begin such a thing. Well, we would love to be there with you. Yeah, I was. I actually was thinking, you know, with Buffy, season eight was a comic series, right? The the TV show ended with season seven. And I was like, oh, my God, if a show ever needed a comic continuation, it is this one. So I love the idea of dipping into the history, too. I think they also did that with the Slayer narrative. And they, like, showed you Slayers from way back when and showed you Slayers from, like, 500 years in the future. So I think it is ripe for it. And I, yeah, do it, do it. Thank you <laughs> for the me, encouragement. That's, I will. That's very kind. <laughs> we are coming back for the third year in a row with our extremely cool, very dear and near to my heart, speculative anthology of all LGBTQ stories by queer and trans authors. Decoded. It is called Decoded Pride. It's at decodedpride.com. And you can pick up a subscription today for only $14.99. Or if you go to any of our social media sites on Instagram or Twitter at Bitches on Comics, or if you follow us on Patreon or support us over there on Patreon, we have discount codes already all plugged in for you and you can get it for even cheaper. So go check those out. But right now you can get it for $14.99 at decodedpride.com. And Sarah, what is Decoded? What are people going to get? They get 30 stories that can be any kind of stories, really, other than literary fiction. (laughs) 
We mostly just do queer speculative fiction. You have stories of comic books. You have stories of horror stories. You have fantasy stories, science <laughs> fiction, all of the things. You know what speculative fiction is. I don't have yeah, to Yeah, stuff tell that's you. just even just too hard to define. <laughs> Simply undefinable, genre bending, trippy. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited this year. The, the stories, I mean, they're, they're great every year. And if you haven't bought a subscription to issue one or issue two, you what can do you so doing? right now <laughs> over at, guess what, decodedpride.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Please go, go get a subscription. I think it's just really neat. It's awesome to read queer and trans people's stories that are the ones they want to tell because they mm. know they can take risks with us. And I, you know, I've really seen that pay off and I'm delighted. I can't wait for people to start seeing these. What's especially cool is that every story that is not a comic has a piece of art that accompanies it. In almost every instance, that art is made by our very own Sarah Century. And in one instance, made by the artist who wrote the story as well, which is very cool. But Sarah, you know, what, what do you enjoy about making the art for Dakota? Oh, I like drawing pictures. <laughs> I do. And I have for a long time. I think that it's really fun because it makes me examine the stories and think about them in a different way. It makes me get creative because normally when you read a story, you're just thinking about what you thought about it overall. I'll engage with stories like that usually. Whenever you're doing the art, it means you really have to look back over it and back over it and engage with it in a way that you haven't before, which... Yeah, you don't have to do it with every story that you read in your life, but it's really fun whenever you do it for Decoded, as I do. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. I love that. It's pretty neat. Well, we hope you'll come support us and all of the amazing creators we're getting to publish this year. We are absolutely ecstatic. Again, join us at decodedpride.com. Dot com. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. I'm guessing because any translation is always going to, you're going to gain and lose things. So was there anything that you were like, oh, well, I can't possibly pull that off anymore. But also conversely, was there something whenever you were changing from book to TV show that where you were like, oh, but now I can do this. Like, did you have moments like that while you were kind of making the switch up? It was certainly more successful as a screen play than it was as a, a prose experiment. I kind of did it as um, diary entries, which is pretty tough to do brilliantly because, of course, each person has to sound totally different and, and, and all of that stuff. But it, it was more successful as a screenplay. It just it allowed me to kind of play more visually. And I do really see stuff as I'm as I'm making it up. So it just sort of jumped to life. But I think I'm a better writer than I was 10 years ago, I hope. Uh, please, please, <laughs> please say yes. Um, and I think I could do justice to a different medium in this world now that I don't think I could do them. Sure, yeah. Some of the stuff you just lose because at the end of the day, it's 39 minutes, you know, after commercials. <laughs> yeah. and, and you want to tell so much more and, and you just can't. And so that's the only stuff that that I kind of, you know, regret sometimes, but mostly we've gotten to do everything we wanted to do. We lucky enough to work with a very, very cool network who just was like a lesbian relationship front and center. Yes. More of that. And let's keep going and basically whatever you want and kind of kept us alive during COVID, which was super hard. So we have no complaints, but there is more in the world. Yeah. I was thinking, cause as an X-Men fan, the X-Men fandom is always kind of clamoring for more like, oh, I want this character in this. Like, why don't they get as much of a spotlight? And the writers are all kind of like, there's 500 characters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like there's literally 500 X-Men. Yeah. I, we can't do it. But with Motherland, I feel, you know, less characters maybe, but <laughs> just the same exact amount of potential for characterization, right? Like there's so, so many ways you can take it. There's new people you could bring in. And also you want to do right by the characters that you already have. So I can only imagine that that balancing act is out of control. <laughs> That's you more of an observation I... than a question. <laughs> but I'm just like, good work. Speaking of other forms, you know what? I'm just the nerd that I wish this existed. An American history civics textbook from the motherland universe. Oh, my God. Ah, oh. My God. What about an American history podcast from the universe? Yeah! 
Okay, call me for that too. Call us. We're here. We're in. We're basically like, we will find you. Make us work with you, please. Um, Yeah. You know, something that I just feel like we have to talk about because I know they're going to be tuning in is the amazing fandom that has surrounded, (laughs) right? Riel and Scylla. And I think they call call them Riella, if I'm getting it right. I've only seen it in print. So I'm always trying to figure out, how do I say this? And... This fandom is so excited. So for them, I just want to say, you know, one of the things that stood out to me when I first watched Motherland, I think the thing that made me say, well, fuck yeah, I got to watch the second episode right now, was that I was like, oh, so yeah, Rail's queer, right? Okay, everybody sees that Rail's queer. Yeah, okay, done. And then in 17 episodes, she'll kiss a girl. Fine. I accept it. I'm in. And then it was like they were boning in episode one. And I was like, what is happening? Uh, this is this is amazing. And so for the Rayella fans, they really are the heart of the show. How did they come together yeah. in your mind? And what can you tell us to look out for in season three? I'll tell you what I can. I mean, it was just immediate from the get-go, just being on set, that there was something really special happening with those two actors. Um, It was just this kind of palpable, like, what is up? And then when we saw the actual footage, it was like, oh, this is going to be a thing. I mean, I don't think any of us knew it would be this much of a thing, but we knew it was really special. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings about them anymore. I'm not going to say it's all smooth sailing, but it's it's a wonderful season for those two. You know, we finally get to see them spending some time together in the same mm. room. You know, uh, it's not without its turmoil and terror because we're us, but it's a beautiful season for them that that has some very satisfying stuff coming down the pipe. Hey, that was so vague, but I'm trying. No, because at the end of season two, at the no, Elliot, listen. At the end of season two, you had them look at each other and say, "I never want to be apart from you again. I never want to be apart from you again." And I was like, "Oh, Elliot's looking at us and saying, listen, I know season two's been rough. I know you're hurting. Trust me, you're gonna see them together well, a lot now." To my house. I don't want to look out my window and see a lot of, of blue balloons and be like, I, "Yeah." I, I, it's such a, it is the heart of the show and it's such a beautiful heart and it's such a great season for them. It's, it's going to be really fun when that, when the world sees that. I'm so excited. Kind of in reference to the fandom around the show, I also wanted to ask because I do like, I do coverage of ads and stuff like that. I know a little bit about marketing. And so mm-hmm. I, was really curious because the way that I heard of this show was 100% word of mouth. Not to say that there weren't that many commercials or something. I just don't watch a ton of anything. So (laughs) just like reading all of the time. So I don't watch a lot of television. But the way that I heard of this was 100%. There were a bunch of people, I think, really upset whenever Winona Earp was canceled. There was like a few (laughs) shows that just kind of opened up this little void, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it seems like this really spoke to them. So I was curious because it's such a unique and special thing to have a show that gets that strong of that kind of fandom support, right? It's just something that is really special. So I, yeah, I was just kind of curious of your thoughts on that because it's something that I don't see a lot, but when I see it, I notice a lot of the same fans on the internet are just like, they'll choose these really specific, usually pretty queer shows and they just (laughs) put like their whole heart into backing it. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious kind of how that plays a role in you know how you approach the series has it changed due to the fandom you know etc i just feel like it's every writer's dream to connect with people and in that passionate of a way it it's truly like 
even if there were like five of them, but they really got the show, I think there's just something really satisfying about that kind of passion. And it's exciting and it's flattering. And I I want to feed it. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's a part of me that wants to keep that fandom happy, but I know you can't really do that you know, necessarily, you can't really come from that place. You can try, but you never know how things are going to land. And so mm-hmm. I try to listen more to the little tiny voice in my head that seems to know what's going on. But um, I think about them a lot. I just find ultimately it's just very sustaining and flattering that, you know, people connect. It's connection. That's what we want. You know, I'm totally. such an introverted weirdo that <laughs> for me, this is, is, is very thrilling that people feel this strongly about the show and the relationships. And the world building even and the magic and all of that stuff. I love it. Makes it's, me super happy. When people respond to something that you've written and they're they notice <sighs> something specific about it, yes. and you're just like you're like, you ship that them, I ship you. them too. I created them and I ship them all the time. Like they're my favorite ship. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a joy. It's a total joy. And the fan art, I mean, it's come on. Tattoos. Are happening. I know. Oh, it's so beautiful. I have a sort of two-parter that's going to seem unrelated, but okay. thanks to season three, you've made them related. <laughs> um, two of my favorite characters are obviously M, who is such a fun addition and such a punk, like so unimpressed oh. by Rael's, like, I'm pissed off. <laughs> and M's like, Great. I'm rooting. Awesome. Congratulations. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> and then Anacostia. And so there are these two people who've been such leaders to the, you know, Bellwether unit in various ways. And now we're getting to see them in season three off on their own sort of like adventure, doing their work together. And um, A, did you write that plot for me? And B, <laughs> like, what... Not? I, yeah, I mean, how did you know? And, you know, what do you think we're going to get to see with them? Again, I know you have to keep it vague. That is oh, what made you excited about bringing them together. First of all, you know, S is such a charismatic performer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Their portrayal of M is is pretty spectacular. And M has a fantastic role in, in the season in terms of kind of protecting Wade. President Wade, played by the brilliant, inimitable Uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph, has a very tumultuous, very central plot storyline that I would love to tell you more about, but I can't. But, you know, (laughs) M M is involved in in kind of protecting the president. And, yeah, and Anacostia is front and center with all of it, and it's captured by the Camarilla for a while. I probably shouldn't have said that. But, yeah, they have great seasons. We're really blessed with our cast. We have some Battlestar Galactica people that I know. So <laughs> I was like, I is this Douglas, for me? What? Is this just for me again? The whole thing was for you. Um, <laughs> so much. Yeah. Elliot, I'm really touched. <laughs> it's it's an embarrassment of riches kind of season. It's just everything is popping. And I just hope it, it satisfies people. I really do. I was curious what kind of sci-fi references you took into this because we've talked, we've made so many references to other sci-fi and um, fantasy properties so i worship at the altar of octavia butler every day she's oh. kind of she's kind of my hero and margaret atwood those are my two my two goddesses um but i'm a huge william gibson freak too although that doesn't mm. really weave in so much here perhaps but certainly octavia butler and and the way she makes you look at stuff that's really going on and how prescient and 
just singular. So she's my goddess pretty much. Yeah. One of the things that I took away from her work that I hear you saying is like, have something to say. Like really don't just like have cool ideas, like say something with those cool ideas. Also to write yourself in, like she, she, mm. she said that about, you know, not seeing black people in science fiction. And so she wrote science fiction about black people. And there's a bit of that going on here too. I think, you know, from the queerness and, and, and all of that, I think there's a, a sense of kind of wanting to write something into existence, I guess. I you guys are the best. Oh, you're the best. This has been really delightful. I have one nerdy thing to tell you, which is that Freeform did a promo last year with the season two premiere where you could take a test and figure out like what kind of wish you were. were (laughs) And you would get a medallion. I'm fucking looking at my medallion right now. Let me grab it. Oh, I don't have the actual what I am. It's not on the medallion. But I think I was a weather witch. Like I like to think I'm a bellwether type, you know, like kind of a dick, but also like really stressed out about like what people think of you, but also like Uh, angry and capable of cool things. So yeah, that's (laughs) self-describing. Thank you so much. We really did appreciate this time. Thank you, Irina. Bob Kerr, thank you, Philip Galicia. We are so lucky to have your help here. And Elliot, thank you for your time. I hope you have a really excellent day and the rest of your recordings go well. Thank you. This was a joy. I really appreciate it. Yay. Wow, Sarah, I can't... How cool was that? Like, that was just so much fun talking to Elliot. That was pretty cool. What a, like, nice person. Also, he, he better pay us to write those, like, fucking graphic novels. Like, we're here. <laughs> the petition starts today. <laughs> Sign the petition at your local Whatever. website. I don't even know. It's just like any website. Any website, if you find a petition, that's actually for us. <laughs> you can't tell because we did some work on it. And so like it's behind the magics. But, you know, it is there. <laughs> now I'm like, is Motherland real? Uh, yeah. I mean, in my heart, it is. It in is. my heart, it very much is. Well, listeners, so glad you joined us today. If you'd like to learn more about Motherland, please head over on Twitter. You can go to at Motherland. And on Instagram, it's at Motherland TV. If you didn't have a pencil out, don't worry. We will have that in the show notes. Hit those three dots and you'll have all the info you need. Motherland Fort Salem premieres Tuesday, June 21st at 10 p.m. Eastern. And it will also be coming back week after week at 10 p.m. on Tuesdays. You know, it says Eastern and Pacific here. So does it just like, I don't know anything about real TV anymore. Does it actually show up at the same time in both places? Or time, right? It's just like time. Oh, yeah. Time zones. Oh, you know what? Play it by ear. If it's 10 p.m. on a Tuesday, see if you can pull up Freeform. And you can always, of course, catch the episodes on Hulu, I believe, the day after. I don't think they're simultaneously cast there. We're big fans of the show, and I hope you'll check it out. Let us know what you think. Of course, we're Bitches on Comics. I'm S.E. Flinor here with Sarah Century, our wonderful sound editor, Kate. You rule. Thank you, Kate Warner, is hooking us up. And the fantastic Katie Taylor. Thank you so much for our awesome theme songs. Of course, we are also typically joined or frequently joined by the lovely co-host, Monica Estrella Negra, who couldn't be here today because she's out there doing the good work at her job. So again, thank you all for listening. Join us on Patreon. Join us wherever you get your podcasts. Join us where you are right here. Come back to us. Come back to us. We love you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at at Bitches on Comics and on Instagram at at Bitches on Comics. Our website is, brace yourself, bitchesoncomics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes. And we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good luck. Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at se underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.